how are you now? Good? Everybody doing good? It's a beautiful Monday, isn't it? How are you now? Your Montreal Canadiens win by a score of 4-3 to three over the Buffalo Sabres. Hello and welcome to episode 74 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake and um, that one went down to the wire, folks. And Team Tank, I'm going to have to talk to you for a second here to start this one off because I know right off the bat, I know we've got some upset fans that are going to say, wow, we really didn't fucking need to win that one. Uh, Buffalo is a team that's chasing Florida and uh, the Habs now after that win, as of me recording this anyways, are one point behind the Arizona Coyotes for sixth last instead of fifth last. So not ideal. Uh, from a tank perspective. But number one, uh, the Coyotes still have a game to play tonight. It is against the Oilers, so, uh, you know, that might be a difficult one for them to get any points in. Hopefully, maybe they can just push it to overtime and at least get one. Um, but on the other hand, Florida lost 5-2 to two to Ottawa. So, you know, we definitely didn't help the Buffalo Sabres very much, but they gained a point. Florida doesn't gain any. It could end up being a difference maker if that, you know, that final, those final two wildcard spots really come down to the wire. It could make a difference. So it wasn't the worst tank night ever. And I got to say, the Habs kind of deserved to win that game. They kind of did. So let's do a recap, and we'll get into it, and we'll talk about why I feel like they they really did deserve to walk away with two points. As much as we don't want to see them get the two points right now, they deserved it, and that's why I'm not too upset about the fact that they got them. So this game started off early in the first period. Jonathan Drouin takes a handoff from Mike Matheson coming back up to the point. Uh, He comes down from the point along the wall, and he just has a look, and he spots Jordan Harris pinching down on the other side from the point, throws it across, gets it right to Harris. He takes two shots at it. The rebound gets that one, puts it in the net. It's 1-0 for the Montreal Canadiens, but it is very short-lived. Just a little later, Tyson Jost, he takes a shot from the point. It misses wide, but it goes right off the backboards, kicks out to the other side, and Lucas Rusek, playing in his first NHL game, gets his first NHL goal against the Montreal Canadiens. Stop me if you've heard that 3,000 times before, but it's 1-1. We're all tied up. Buffalo, pretty relentless in the offensive zone for the rest of that period, but they can't just they just can't seem to get any high-danger chances going. I mean, Jake Allen looks... I don't want to say he looked shaky, but he looked a little bit uncomfortable in the net there. And they just couldn't, they they really couldn't get much lateral movement out of him. And they couldn't get any quality chances for all the offensive zone time that they had. And that's why we go into the second period 1-1, despite the Sabres having a pretty significant lead on the shot clock. Now, the Habs start to kind of get it going in the second. This is where I get to them, you know, kind of deserving to get that win. They're looking considerably more dangerous at the beginning of the second period. And again, they take the lead. This time it's David Savard with a dump in. It goes into the corner, bounces back out. Alex Belzil is chasing it down. He fakes a clapper just to kind of get Eric Comrie to move a little bit. And then he comes in and just goes upstairs short side. And manages to get that one in. It's 2-1 to one for the Habs. But again, their lead is short-lived. Very short-lived. Buffalo gets a power play almost immediately after that goal. J.J. Paterka is basically on the goal line. I think the puck was actually... He's a left-handed shot and he's coming in from the left side. I'm pretty sure the puck was touching the goal line. And he manages to shoot it. 
and bank it off of like the top of Allen's shoulder and into the net. And it's two to two. Kind of a, again, I, I felt like Allen looked a little bit uncomfortable in the net. And I feel like that one, you can kind of charge it to him because he left a big gaping hole between his head and the post. And Paterka was just like, all right, I'm going to go for it. And he banked it in two to two. Not long after that, the Habs have a really long shift in the offensive zone. Brendan Gallagher, I think he had three or four high quality chances from the slot, but they couldn't get anything to go in. And then they couldn't get a change after that. So most of the guys that were on there for that long offensive zone shift, they're stuck out on the ice and Buffalo goes the other way and that ends up being a killer. So they go the other way. Uh, they're kind of, they, they actually go, get into the zone, come back out of the zone and regroup. But because, again, we're in the second period, we got the long change, the Habs can't really get anything. They can't get anybody off the ice. They've got to keep them all out there. And then eventually it hurts them. They got a partial change. Buffalo goes to work. Riley Stillman ends up with a wild amount of time to come down from the left point with nobody on him. He dekes Allen out of the crease and then puts it in. It's 3-2 to two for the Sabres. Third period, almost all Habs. They're pressing right from the opening faceoff. All over them. Takes about nine minutes, but they eventually get one. Jake Evans gains the line, drops to his right for Brennan Gallagher. Brennan Gallagher just comes in with a little toe drag release. In off the far post, 3-3 three to three is your score. They go back and forth a little bit from there until the end of the third period, but nobody scores. We go to the three-on-three three overtime period. And the three-on-three three overtime, it sucked for the first minute and a half or so. It took almost two minutes for Dylan Cousins to get the first shot on goal, but then after that, it got wild. Jake Allen tries to feather one out to center ice to Kirby Doc, and it works. Kirby Doc gets there first, but he's got a guy all over him. And at the, at the end of a long shift to boot, he's dead tired, but he somehow wills that thing into a chance. He can't get it past Eric Comrie. And then he gets hit from behind by Peyton Krebs after getting stopped by Comrie. So that's a power play for the Montreal Canadiens. And it's chances galore for them with the four on three. Uh, I think they hit two posts, man. They were so close to ending that game in OT. Uh, and then at the tail end of the power play, the Sabres go the other way. And I think it was Darlene who rang one off the crossbar. So it got nutty after about a minute and a half, minute and 40 of, of you know bullshit OT hockey that was not as exciting as you expect it to be normally. Uh, it got nutty. Uh, but nobody could score. <clears throat> and where do we go? On y va en tir de barrage. Et les tirs de barrage is about the same as the first minute and a half of overtime. Nobody really wants to score at first. Olafson goes first. He's stopped by Jake Allen. Habs go with Nick Suzuki first. He tries to go around Eric Comrie, but he can't. He gets stopped. J.J. Paterka's up next. He tries to go five-hole on Allen. He's stopped. Jonathan Drouin next. Backhander right into Comrie's glove. Alex Tuck is next. Tries low far side. He's stopped by Allen. Mike Matheson next. He also tries to go five-hole. He's stopped by Eric Comrie. Jack Quinn. Now we're in sudden death rounds. Jack Quinn's up first for the Sabres. He bobbles it, but it somehow goes through Jake Allen's five hole. Jesse Elinen is up next. He needs this to stay alive. He goes down with speed, stops in the high slot, and just completely kills off his speed. Goes with a wrister. Comrie gets a piece of it, but it gets through, and the Habs are still alive. Then it's middle stat. He misses the net. And then it's Johnny Kovacevic. Weirdest choice ever. Tries a weird like push to the forehand to get around Comrie, kind of like what Suzuki did, but like way slower, and it doesn't work. He gets stopped. Then it's Dylan Cousins. Takes a shot right at Allen's blocker. And then it's Michael Pizzetta. 
the last guy that you would ever think is going to end this game in the shootout. What does he do? He comes in on the right-hand side with speed as a left-hand shot. You know what that probably means. He's going to be shooting far side. He does. He shoots far side, top corner, and he snipes it. Game over, and he does the ride the twig Selly along the boards while signaling his own goal to celebrate that one. I don't Look, folks, the Montreal Canadiens, by the end of the game, they have more shots. They have more scoring chances. They were the better team. They deserved to win. And to see them win it like that with a guy like Pizzetta doing a snipe in a shootout and then riding his twig afterwards, fucking brilliant. That's just good entertainment on a Monday night. All right? I'm willing to just cross my fingers and hope that Arizona can get a win tonight and say, all right, you know, what, what are you going to do? They deserved the win, and it was a fun way to get it. So I'm... I'm over it. Um, it hurts the tank. I know Team Tank's probably sitting there saying, Matt, what the fuck? We needed to lose that game. We could have given Buffalo two points. We could have gotten them closer to getting ahead of Florida and making sure that their pick is a little bit better. We also could have made sure that there was still a little bit of distance between us and Arizona. I get all of that. But look, man, they deserved the win, and they got it in an incredibly fun fashion in the shootout. What are you going to do? <laughs> There's not a whole lot you can do. Like I said, just everybody fingers crossed that Arizona ends up somehow sneaking two points off of Edmonton tonight. That would be fantastic. Player of the game. I'm going to go in a direction that maybe people aren't expecting me to go with this one. You had a lot of options that you could have gone with for the Habs. Uh, But I'm I'm giving this one to Brennan Gallagher. Brennan Gallagher, obviously been on the shelf with an injury for a while. Um, First couple of games back were a little bit rough. But in this one, he was classic Brennan Gallagher. Just ball of energy, uh, just driving constantly into the slot, going to the net, getting to those tough areas. Like I said, they had that one shift in the offensive zone that somehow immediately preceded a goal for the Sabres. He had like three really good quality scoring chances just on that shift. Uh, And then obviously he gets the goal. Uh, It gets the goal in a fashion that he doesn't normally get goals. And that was, I don't think I mentioned it during the recap, that was his 200th career NHL goal. Ties him for like 26th all-time on the Montreal Canadiens list. Yeah, it's very difficult to get to number one on that list um, for obvious reasons. It's an over 100-year-old franchise, and they've had a lot of really good scorers come through. But, you know, 200 goals, nothing to sneeze at, uh, especially for a guy who was drafted in the fifth round. you got to respect how he's been able to build himself a career in this league. Um, I don't know. It's he's a, he's a player with that contract where I feel like the team probably wants to move on from it. But it's also not a very easy contract to move because it's still got term. Um, The dollar amount isn't crazy high, but it's high enough that with his injury history, a lot of teams probably aren't going to want to pull the trigger on any kind of deal to bring him in because you don't know how many games he's going to be able to play in a given season. Especially in the last couple of years, the injury problems have really started to rear up for him. And uh, I I don't know. I, I, I think the Habs might be stuck with that contract. But the good news is if... This is the type of play that they can expect from him. It's not going to be uh, an anchor for this team, that contract. All right? As long as he's healthy and he can play like that, it's not an anchor. The problem is, of course, if he gets hurt, you know, you got to throw him on the LTIR, and yeah, you get the LTIR relief, but then it could be problematic for you in terms of finding a replacement if you're relying on him in your top six. So I think they need to figure out a way, um, if he's sticking around, that he can play in that middle six area. You know, second, third line type deal. 
and contribute a little bit from there. And hopefully you have pieces around him that can step in and kind of play that role a little bit. Like Rafael Harvey Pinar, for example. Again, I've, I've been boosting Harvey Pinar all year, ever since he came up, because of how well he plays. And it's, he does have a style that's kind of similar to Brennan Gallagher. If Brennan Gallagher is, say, on your second line, and you got Harvey Pinar in the bottom six, anytime Brennan Gallagher gets hurt, immediately kick RHP up to that spot. I think you've got a pretty easy fill in there that, that fits stylistically and that, um, you know, hopefully hopefully can stay healthy and doesn't necessarily fall into the same injury trouble that Brendan Gallagher has. But Brendan Gallagher, uh, for this one, he gets player of the game. Congrats, big congrats on his 200th goal in his career. Um, again, how often do you get 200 career goals out of a guy you drafted 147th overall? Not that often. Outside of Gallagher, like I said, you had some other options that you could have gone with for player of the game there. Uh, personally, I really enjoyed Mike Hoffman once more in that game. I thought he played great. I don't know what it is with full face shield Mike, but he looks fucking fantastic out there. Hey, it's uh, it was obviously a tall t- uh, task to get him traded at this deadline for this season. But if he keeps playing like this, you know, they might be able to find a suitor for next year's deadline. Who knows? Maybe the team's actually going to be good next year. I, I laugh a little while I say that because I don't know. Um, I don't know how good they could possibly be. I guess it'll depend on who they draft. But um, look, Mike Hoffman's been playing very well lately. Got to take your hat off to him. Mike Matheson also played another very good game, I felt. Uh, Jordan Harris was excellent in that game. That was one of his best games of the season so far. Um, really great sign especially considering that this team is probably looking at him as a potential top four guy in the future. I personally think that he's probably going to be a bottom pair guy for most of his career, but the ability for him to kind of play up a little bit, a la Rafael Harvey Pinar, that maybe he could surprise and, and earn himself a top four spot on defense I don't know. I, th- I think there's a lot of value to that. And I think, uh, you know, playing more games like he did against the Sabres there would go a long way to showing people that he is capable of, of playing some of those minutes. Um, the Habs have a very young decor, and he's part of it. And uh, I think they're going to be exciting in a couple of years, especially when they get like Lane Hudson, Logan Mayu, Adam Engstrom, all those other guys coming up. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make for competition, and you're, you're really going to have to earn your minutes. And, um, you know, he definitely earned minutes in that particular game against the Sabres and uh, I'm I'm excited to see where he goes for the rest of his career for sure and last but certainly not least Michael Pizzetta I think everybody knows I I don't think I'm being an asshole when I say it I don't think he's long for the Montreal Canadiens I don't think he's going to be around for the next five years I I don't I'm, I'm not sure he makes it I'm not sure he makes the roster next year I think maybe he gets traded in the offseason or at the draft but you got to admit, that moment at the end of the game, man. Uh, first of all, Martin St. Louis was like, he's taking the piss in the shootout for sure. He sends Go- Johnny Kovacevic. Like when he sent Mike Matheson, I was like, okay, that, that makes sense. Matheson's a pretty offensive guy. He's capable of, uh, of some pretty slick moves. I could see that working, but it didn't. But then he sends Johnny Kovacevic, and I'm like, okay, he's taking the piss. He's fucking around here. He's not being serious. He's just sending whoever. He's trying to have some fun, and I like it. And then he sends Michael Pizzetta, and I'm like, now I know. Now I know for sure he's taking the piss. You had other options for sure that have got better hands that you could have sent out for that. But he sends Pez, and and then Pez does what? He goes top Ched, far side, and then rides the twig. What a moment. 
he's going to remember that one for the rest of his life, and he should. That was fantastic. That's just good television, folks. Just good, solid television. I love seeing shit like that. I don't care about the tank when I see shit like that. That is the one thing that made me... Like, if they had won on some fluky bullshit goal where it was like David Savard and he tried to shoot it and fanned on it and it happened to trickle through the five hole somehow, that, then I would have been sitting here and I would like, what? I'd be lamenting the fact that they had those two points. But because they got it the way they did with Pez scoring like that and then doing that Selly, I'm okay with it. I'm over it. And that's all I'm going to say. I'm, I'm going to cut it off there. What are we running? Uh, well, by the time I'm done with my whole spiel, we'll probably be closer to 18, 19 minutes. So let's call it... Une soirée énorme pour les employés de soutien. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Play. We're on Apple. We're back on Megaphone. Right? I keep mentioning this every episode, and I'm going to keep mentioning it until we get to April 1. Habs, Eyes on the Prize, as well as the bottom six minutes, have joined the Fans First Sports Network. I will be moving everything back over to the main Habs, Eyes on the Prize channel, which you can find by going into your favorite podcast app and just searching Eyes on the Prize you will find it. Currently, there's an FFSN logo uh, in place of our regular logo. Obviously, we're doing away with the SB Nation logo as EOTP is going independent on April 1st. We will have a new logo coming out soon, uh, and I'll probably share that on my Substack and elsewhere. Uh, but please, if you're listening to this right now on the Bottom 6 Minutes channel, go over. Just go in your app. Take a look for Eyes on the Prize. You'll find it. Subscribe there. That way you can keep up to date when I start moving everything over permanently to the new channel as of April 1st. Thank you, as always, for listening. I appreciate it very much. And of course, à la prochaine.